And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name, of course, is Eddie Cohn. I am thrilled that you're listening. As of last count, there's about 59 million podcasts around the world, so I appreciate that you are listening to this one. And you're going to love it because I had a great conversation a few days ago with my friend Carmen Rizzo. He's a producer, programmer, DJ. He's worked with Seal. He's actually working on a new record with Seal right now. Coldplay's and remixes with Coldplay, Alanis Morissette, he's worked with Dido, Jem, the list goes on, Paul Oakenfeld, and he's got a lot of new music that's come out, uh, so check him out on Spotify or iTunes or go to his website, CarmenRizzo.com, and I met him, gosh, about 10 years ago, which is crazy to think about, but yeah, he remixed one of my songs off of my second record, and we just stayed in touch, and we became friends, and it was really cool to have him back on the show. It was really cool to have him on the show. Before you listen to the conversation, I felt like the timing was really great, and I'll tell you why. My show originated about a year and a half ago, talking about the impact of social media and technology on artists' lives, and I think it's complicated. You know, of course, on the one hand, you know, tech can be fantastic for artists to help us, uh, to help us create. I mean, Logic, GarageBand, the iPad, you know, all these tools are fantastic and amazing. And it's incredible to be able to sit down and pretty much write or create a song within like five, 10 minutes. It just, it makes the craft of artistry much easier. But on the other hand, you know, it's changed the way I believe people consume art, whether it's movies, TV shows, songs. I mean, nobody really releases records anymore. It feels like those are just, you know, a thing of the past. And people are just consuming singles or consuming shows one at a t- you know, as quickly as possible on Netflix as opposed to watching one show once a week. And, you know, maybe I'm a purist or maybe I'm a, rom- uh, a romantic because I certainly remember the days when me and my friends all listened to OK Computer at the same time or we all consumed Pearl Jam's record because it all, we all knew when that record was going to come out and we all sort of consumed at the same time and we all talked about it. We all talked about specific shows. It's just a completely different way of consumption. And is it worse? I, I don't know. Is it as deep? I don't know if it necessarily is. I think we are, our brains are being hardwired and transformed into consuming as quickly as you can. And then artists have to change the way they're creating because they know that they only have about five to 10 seconds to get your attention or else they're moving on to the next thing, whatever that is. And even right now, while you're listening to this podcast, you may already be whatever. I'm going to fast forward to six, seven minutes in because I want to listen to the conversation already. That's just how it is now. And I sometimes think back to when life moved a little slower when people's attention spans were wider or longer, when people listened to full records, when people watched one show at a time, I just think there was a sense of more quality, more depth in thinking, more depth in creation. These are the concepts and ideas that I talk about with Carmen. And I think the timing is also good because, you know, over the last two months, I sort of went down... I got inspired by Kobe Bryant's death, so I started talking a little bit about mortality. And then I started thinking about the coronavirus and how it's impacting our world. And I also think that we are very easily manipulated by the world around us. So all of those topics we talk about. 
And it's a great conversation. And I think it's going to be really inspiring for you to listen to this. I think, and we touched on this at the very end, as hard as it is to deal with this coronavirus, potentially for all of you, it's also a time to potentially get a lot done and create and maybe finish a record in a month or finish a book. I've been writing a book for the last two and a half years, and I think I'm going to be done by the end of this lockdown. So how are you using this time right now? So that's a pretty important question to think about right now. And and Carmen and I talk about this. So the other cool thing about this episode, and then you'll get to hear it, you know, I, I typically play songs throughout my podcasts. Well, every song that you hear today is produced by Carmen. So, and I end the show with one of my favorite songs that he recorded about 10 years ago when I met him. It's a song that features Grant Lee Phillips, which is one of my favorite singers. So, Anyway, every piece of music that you hear was produced by Carmen, so it's a great episode, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. And again, you can follow Carmen on Instagram, at Carmen Rizzo. You can check him out on his website. He has a lot of new music that's coming out. And if you dig the show, head over to iTunes, write a review, give it a five-star, share it with your friends. You can reach out to me on Instagram or Twitter at Eddie Cohn with any questions. You can also, as you know, I'm also a yoga teacher. All of my yoga classes have been moved online. So if you want to take yoga, reach out to me at Eddie Cohn on Instagram or Twitter, and I'll throw you on the email list for all the yoga classes. So that is it. As always, first off, thanks so much to Carmen for taking the time to talk to me. And as always, thank you so much for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. First of all, thanks for talking. I appreciate yeah. it. You know, there's a few things I want to talk about, but, you know, this podcast sort of originated out of how I think technology, um, you know, more so like social media and uh, Instagram and Facebook has, has really caused a lot of this disruption. And, you know, I even sort of traced this all the way back to like Napster. To me, it's sort of like um, devalued the, the craft of artistry. And I see it's everywhere from Martin Scorsese bringing his film to Netflix, just people don't pay for music anymore. And I find that you actually have, I think about the word pivot. And I think that you've managed to really, 
you know, and I'm not sitting here just like complaining about it because I pivot also and you have to, but I really sort of want to talk about how you managed to sort of pivot over the last probably almost like 15 years. I mean, I don't want to go back too far back, but you really seem to be good at pivoting creatively. No, thank you. I mean, I kind of look at, I don't look at it like I'm doing something. I think that I adjust accordingly. And I think a lot has to do with my travel. I think because I've been so fortunate that I'm well-traveled, I might see trends or see things happening that I adjust to for better or for worse. Yeah. Now, saying that, I also would react to people in my same position. So obviously, you know, I'm older, even though I always say I'm the youngest old guy you'll know, <laughs> probably. But I see people getting bitter. And I, I just don't believe that because I feel like sometimes for any of us, it's we have to react of sign of the times. So, and usually that's referring to technology, where whether it's people, how you create, whether it's digitally, musically, or digitally, you know, art-wise, if you're a painter or something. And people would get anger and bitter. And I think I was noticing, because I also speak a lot around the world and lecture and keynote and masterclass and things like this, I think younger people would always resonate with me. I kept thinking, why do they care about me? You know, meaning they're listening, right? You know, right. and I would, I kind of analyze it a little bit. And I think it was because I could, you know, I have history and I could talk about experience, but then I could really talk to them about current where some of my colleagues who are older just didn't want to drink the poison. And I thought, well, why not? Because I remember many years ago, I was on a panel with Phil Ramone, the famous you know, record sure. producer yeah. up in San Francisco at AES. And somebody was one, somebody was talking about like being a purist and analog gear in the digital world. And somebody asked Phil about technology back in the day, recording like Ella Fitzgerald or something. And he said, look, if we had the technology, then we would have used it, but hmm. we didn't. And that's all we had. And it was that mindset of like, Right now, if there's a new Zoom or I don't know what, you're going to try it. Because like, fuck it. I'm going to use it. Oh, sorry. I didn't know if I was supposed to swear. Oh, yeah. You can swear all you want. Don't worry. This, uh, this isn't affiliated with Disney or anything. But, you know, it's, 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 I agree with you. And, and I think just this idea of being able to – I mean, I love Logic. I even love GarageBand. It's like literally within five minutes I can get like some simple loop going and I've like got something happening. And a lot of records out there now, they actually – a lot of them start with GarageBand. And – and nobody cares. And that's right. the thing that you got to get over. It, like you talk about social media and not selling music. It's like I have this conversation almost always like about music. And I said, look, get rid of that mindset that you're going to be making any money from your music. It's very unfortunate. And I'm not saying you're not going to make money, but it's not like it was. Get over it. Get your music heard. Like if you hear a record, do you really care if it was recorded in GarageBand or Pro Tools or Ableton or Logic? No, you like it or you don't. And if you dig deeper and go down the rabbit hole, you might find something interested of how that person created that music. But that's because we're nerds. But at the end of the day, I don't really care. Yeah, but I think – but you brought up an interesting point just now. And I got the sense that there was this possibility more so five, ten years ago that one could actually make not even just a living doing art and creativity but – 
let's just say $50,000, which is certainly not like something that, you know, the Rolling Stones made or Bruce Springsteen, but at least that's a pretty sizable amount of money. And I felt like those windows of opportunity coupled with people's sort of, why should I pay for, why should I pay for that? It, it does feel like people out there, and you're right, like if you're making something to make money, that could create sort of some sort of conflict of interest. But there is this attitude where I get the sense that people just don't think they have to pay for art anymore. You're right. And I just don't even think about it anymore. It's I'm so past that, that you have to look at, you know, I always say you have to move sideways to move forward. Should it not even be a thought of one's mind or it's just it's just what it is and we just have to get over it? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I will always say people will steal music. They will steal technology, but they'll pay for knowledge. And that's something that people will always pay for knowledge. And you're seeing that now where people are like the master class, like mm. all these big actors and, you know, like record producers and things or Hans Zimmer or whatever, you know, they're getting paid a lot of money, hopefully to do these master classes um, or keynotes. So, but people will pay for knowledge as opposed to, it's a reflex to steal music or steal arts. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. People, I just spent like a hundred bucks on a David Sedaris uh, masterclass. So you're, you're, you're right. You're right. Because you will pay for that because that's something that's knowledge. And I kind of support it. And that's why I think if you are a creator and that's sometimes I struggle with people and I don't mean this like on some, on a pedestal or, or, or I'm judging someone, but sometimes I have to remind myself that I struggle with people who aren't creative people. And it doesn't even make, make it doesn't, I don't mean that they're good creators, but you create, whether you create food or you create music, I can, I can relate to you some, somehow. And I'm not better or worse than anyone, but sometimes if I'm speaking to somebody who's not a creator, I get frustrated and that sounds horrible. I agree with you because sometimes there's this uh, – it's, it's a language that we speak. It's a thought pattern that we think. And I also think – I think we – part of the reason why I love basketball and sports is I think as artists, we understand the time and energy it takes to get really good at something and be part of that 1% to 3% of the world that actually like gets recognized – 
Yeah. And it's sort of, I think it's not only just a language, but I think it's an appreciation for, oh, that, that, there was a lot of work that went into Quentin Tarantino's latest movie. I mean, I may never have any idea how he did it, but I can appreciate it. But I think sports and music are very different. I mean, we can understand the, the effort that goes in to training, but with sports, it's based on numbers and they don't lie. I want to take a step back of the, of, the creators, which I don't want to sound like some pompous asshole, but like I have a good friend of mine who's an amazing guy, but he's not a creator, which is fine. It doesn't mean he's just, you know, I still get along with him, but then there's certain challenges that I don't understand his mindset or vice versa, where he might say um, food is fuel because he doesn't cook hmm. or doesn't maybe know how to cook or want to cook, but I'm just, but he loves to eat. But like me, I love to cook. I love to create. If I'm going to feed you, I want to create something and give it to you. I'm not better than him. You know, it's just that's my mindset. I have to remind myself not to get frustrated with certain people because they don't think the same way. Yeah. How has L.A. been for you as um, just a creative source of energy? And and, because I didn't realize that you were from Ohio, which is so random. Well, I was born there. I'm not from there. Okay. Okay. So what? Well, when did you how did you get out? I was born in Akron, Ohio. Moved, I think, when I was two years old. Moved to Connecticut as a child and was raised as a child there. And then raised in East Bay of uh, San Francisco Bay Area for until I was high school. And I moved to Los Angeles since I was 19. So for me, L.A. is my home. I've been here the longest. I really love Los Angeles. I think for me, it's always been a great place to call home and to come home to. I've been very fortunate that I'm traveling a lot in my life, in my career. So it's nice to visit interesting places and then come home to LA because I feel like I'm somebody who I need urgency in my life, you know, where there's culture and theater and music and sport and just things. I think I would get bored if I was somewhere in the world where I was stimulating or stimulated. And then I come home to like Milwaukee or I'm just making that up. There's nothing here. LA has a lot here. And, and, it's a long answer to your to your question. I feel like L.A. is one of the last frontiers if you are trying to succeed in the entertainment business. Yeah. As loyal as I am to L.A., I'm not loyal. Like if tomorrow I hit rock bottom and I think I would probably move, you know, and be like, okay, I'll live somewhere else. But I love it here. I've had a, a very – love-hate relationship with with social media. And I'll just briefly explain. I I think, you know, right now there's people that are, instead of getting knowledge, as you say, people are just pitter-pattering back and forth on on social media and spending a lot of their free time right now just sort of wasting away, scrolling all day and, and looking at a lot of meaningless shit. And you know, even like two days ago, I saw you post a photo. Can I can I mention his name? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm just curious, you know, how you're working with him and all this. Or you, you post this really innocent photo of you with <laughs> with Seal, and you're like playing. I get, I get beat up over it. Yeah, you're playing tennis or something, and uh, some guy basically, or it could have been a woman. I don't know. Somebody's basically giving you shit about oh, you're not practicing social distancing. You know, this isn't really responsible of you. And and I just, it just, I get annoyed where. Anybody out there in the world could say whatever the fuck they want. And I'm not. Well, that's a good point. I mean, my account is private. Sometimes I, I, I open it up. I, I think it's public now. 
I think social media, okay, to go back is two, two steps. <laughs> I agree. I think we're all guilty of spending too much time on social media because then you just start going down these rabbit holes of your neighbor's gardener's babysitter's son's daughter. Friend, I don't know. You just find your way like, how did I get there? Where am I? You know? So that's what we're all guilty of. Um, in the sense of, you know, if I think if you put something up there that you feel is insensitive or you don't want to share, I think it stems from the person posting it. I mean, the reason why I did that post was that if you know me or someone does, Seal's one of my best friends. I've known him for 25 years and plus. We, we made music together, traveled together, et cetera. And I was, I live, you know, downtown. It's very different, this whole quarantine thing. I can't, well, I can describe it if you want, but it's pretty crazy. It's no nature. You walk outside, buildings are boarded up. There's no one walking the street unless you live here, which is, you know, very specific crowd, or you see homeless. So we see homeless more than anyone because we live near Skid Row. We, anyone lives in, you know, downtown. So, but when it's spread out with society, it's a part of the landscape. But now people are going out to like go somewhere and go home or take a walk or something. So homeless are kind of featured for better or for worse. Like right. You're around it, right? So here I am. I don't drive for 37 days. I don't leave my neighborhood for 37 days. I stick by the rules. So Seal's like, hey, mate, you know, me too. You know, same, you know, not seeing people. Or if you did see, like, I would take walks with my neighbors, but we would do it six feet apart. He says, why don't you come up and hang out and play tennis? Okay, cool. He, he lives in a fucking private estate up in Topanga. It's his own thing, private tennis court. He has no one up there. You know, I brought my son who's, you know, 20 years old. And he snapped a picture. And sure, in the picture, we probably weren't six feet apart because we were putting the tennis balls in the bucket. And of course, this guy calls me out. And it, I just had to laugh. And you probably saw my comments, which were like, hey, man, you know, probably was a bad message. Sure. I, I didn't mean it that way. It was just sort of innocent. But, you know, I can only blame myself because I, I put the picture up there. Well, this is I don't think you should blame yourself. I think. This is what this is how this connects to coronavirus and even social media. I, I mean, social media, and yeah, we can laugh about it, and we're all guilty of it. But again, you know, as a creator, there's only so much time in the day, and life goes really yeah. fucking fast. And right. uh, we didn't have distractions. You know, Led Zeppelin thirty years ago, when they made like Led Zeppelin one or two, the only distractions were like drugs and women. That was sort of about it. They just like did their thing, and you know. Slowly but surely, we keep getting televisions and then phones and then social media. And if you're not careful, um, you're, you're going to be wasting three hours a day doing nonsense. And it's almost like through dopamine and through attention, social media has sort of like tricked everybody into becoming addicts of their phone. And I also think in this weird sort of way that the coronavirus is sort of like manipulated people too. It's almost like we're becoming more isolated. More people are becoming more reliant on technology. More people are staying home. I mean, have you ever like questioned what's, what's going on or have you just sort of like, not really because it's almost 50, 50, well, maybe not 50, 50, but there's a good percentage of people that would argue conspiracy theory, argue overreacting, argue hidden agenda. My take on it is, it's real. I mean, the numbers are real. People are dying. 
that they're not lying. I mean, maybe certain numbers are inflated or deflated. I don't know, but I'm not going to question that. I can only hope that when this is, I won't say done because it's not going to be done for a long time, I think, but when we ease back into society, I hope that we can look back as human beings, as really as individuals, and hope that we take something from this in a positive sense that one, we can survive because of technology. Because I think as a society, we, if we didn't, if this was the 30s, I mean, if, if for some reason like there was no power, we'd be fighting me a civil war. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I think we'll never have this kind of solitude in our life again. So I'm not looking at it that way. I mean, and, and also I live alone. I have a nice place or nice enough. It's not huge. It's a loft. But I know a lot of people are living challenges or challenging lives with, let's say, small children, small apartment or something. It, it, could, it could have been a lot worse, you know. Well, it's funny. You brought up a point, too, that I think about. And I'm just a very inquisitive person. And I find life to be it, – it just feels like the world wants us to stare at our phones – the world wants people to just stay home. There is this sort of natural, uh, almost hidden agenda where we just sort of like follow the lead and just kind of do what I just I think we're impacted by me, the media and technology. But I don't think we had a choice, though. Well, that's what's so interesting. I, I've, I think maybe you're right, but I it just feels like nobody ever questioned what's going on. And I've, I've, I've just found that. Well, t- I think. I don't know. I think plenty of people are questioning theories and, and, and why. And I think now it's coming to light because so many communities are like, fuck you. I want to, I want my store open. I want to go to the beach. I want to do this. I want to do that. I think where we have a choice though is how we like, I have two, two answers to that. One is I haven't turned my TV on once. I mean, yeah. I, I watch some stuff on my iPad like while I'm eating my dinner, but I'm not going down the rabbit hole of watching too much TV. I don't condemn people who do. I don't do video games. There was one girl I knew, I don't even know very well. She hit me up and she said something like, hey, here's my number. We're just kind of social media friends. And she goes, I'm, I'm going to deactivate my uh, IG account because this was a couple of weeks ago. She says, I feel like if we are allowed on May 15th, I want to know that I've got a month left to accomplish some things that I would, I would want to look back to know I did something besides fucking like clean my sock drawer and watch every, every binge show. And I really admire that. So I think that there probably are some people out there that are hopefully checking things off the box.
interesting. I think I, I, I think it's, and you almost, I feel like you embody this where it's almost like you're not going to give a fuck what's going on. I'm just, I'm going to focus on the task at hand. I mean, obviously you're not like naive and not going to educate yourself about it, but I think there's only so much that why waste the time thinking about, and it's not even conspiracy theories, but although I do think though, what frustrates me is that I, I am reading, they're falsifying the numbers, they're elevating the numbers. And I do think this shutdown and just telling people to stay home. And I think about restaurants and my friends that open up restaurants. I mean, you want to talk about dying. I, I don't know how that industry is ever going to survive, but maybe it will. Maybe six months from now, uh, the restaurant industry. Yeah, don't you think, Daddy, that they had no choice than to shut, the, shut down, you know, society? Um, I just don't think this is any different than, um, I mean, there's coronaviruses that come out every year. Uh, we didn't know that. Nobody, I mean, the common cold is a coronavirus. Um, the flu. Yeah, but then how did the numbers lie? I mean, this is more than the flu. I think there's an agenda out there. And again, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't even have a conspiracy. I do think there is someone or a company or a country that wants that number to be high to scare the fuck out of people. And, you know, Fauci just like three weeks ago said it was going to be 100 and 250,000 that died. Then a week after that, he said it was, eh, it's probably going to be like 40 or 50,000. Then three days after that, there's an article that comes out in the New York Times where they are giving somebody a coronavirus death if it's presumed they died that way. Even if they weren't diagnosed with it, they're just going to write it down as a COVID 19 death. So it does feel to me like there is an agenda or a reason why they want that number to be high and it's scaring the hell out of people. And if you even question it, then you just sort of get called a Republican or some Trump lover and everything. I, I'm, I don't know. I just, I find it uh, a bit perplexing. Yeah. I mean, all good questions. I, I, I definitely don't have the answer and I'm not even putting that much thought into it because I feel like I'm following the rules. I'm doing what we're told to do. Um, I'm all, I'm just worried about the economy because I feel like, Right now is, I mean, I have a prediction that we'll be right back in this in the fall. That's what I think. I think that we'll ease into normality in the next few weeks. They'll start opening up the borders. People will abuse the, will abuse it. Um, and at some point when the weather changes and people get sick naturally from cold weather, we might have another bump in it and then we'll be forced to go back. That's what I'm predicting. I hope I'm wrong, but yeah. we need society to get back. That's for sure. You know, for so yeah. many reasons, because if not, we're going to be a third world country. <laughs> Real soon. <laughs> no, I know. I, 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 I hear you. Right? I want to know a little bit more like, and I'm sure people want to know just because for me, I remember when I had a piano at the house and I was three years old and I remember like picking up the drums for the first time when I was 10 and, you know, I read about you and I know you a little bit and, you know, it's DJ, producer, uh, electronic musician. And, you know, when did it all sort of become clear? And this, again, I, I, I just, I begrudge social media and technology sometimes because it can get in the way. How did you have the freedom to explore and, and, and just sort of when did that sort of curiosity take shape? And it's it feels like it's still more alive than ever, so... I mean, I think for me, it's so important to react. And, you know, we all don't know when we're reacting at the right time, whether it's fashion or whether it's you're in a relationship and you're reading the person wrong. 
I've always been a technologist my whole life. It's always interested me. So when thing when trends would start or musical trends or anything, I would try to react and see if it felt natural. Um, I think if you're talking specifically about social media, I think it's okay. This is actually a good example. So like earlier in my career, how did one relay your information for your fans or your colleagues, you know, like for instance, Facebook to me, which I don't pay much attention to anymore is kind of like family stuff. My kids and relatives or I don't know who sisters and older, older, not younger, older friends of mine that are generally in the industry. So it's a good way to sort of like put statuses, updates or things like this. But I would put newsletters out like an email every month or every few months of what I was doing. Then I was like, no one's fucking reading this. Nobody wants this. Nobody wants this. So then you have to kind of, but I immediately knew that. So I stopped doing it. And then I just parlayed that into social media updates. And then you have to be clever of not doing too much and how you do it, which is always delicate. So you don't sound like you're, you know, you got to stick up your ass. And then I just realized that was the new norm. Now Instagram is kind of the only game, in my opinion. Well, on Twitter, I guess, it's a little bit different. I treat them all separately. And another thing is I surround myself around a lot of young people. So I get a temperature of what people are doing and what people are wanting. I mean, nowadays, you don't even exchange numbers. It's just like, what's your IG? Like whether it's a woman or whether it's a colleague in the studio, it's like, it's all about your Instagram. I mean, and then what happens is you go out somewhere and you don't even know someone's fucking name. You just know their Instagram handle. Yeah. I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't even know that person's name. It's just like, you know, monkey bars or whatever, you know, something crazy. Can you think back though? What was like your first sort of, uh, break or what was your first because did you i think you started out as an engineer right yeah so to give the one minute spiel of my career you know yeah and i don't even you know what it is it's more about are there specific moments that you remember where you were like this is what i want to do well yeah so i guess to narrow in to narrow in on that question i was always behind the scenes you know producing or engineering or mixing right but when I, I, I never wanted to be an artist, but I wanted to do music of my own so I could get recognized to be hired. Hmm. That was the whole purpose. I never wanted to be a rock star. I never wanted to tour. I never even wanted to be, I mean, I was in bands younger, but I never really wanted to be in a band in my adult life. It was like, no, you hire me. That's what I wanted to do. So that's what I did. But then I had relative success, and I use that term you know, loosely. Um, with my artist records and then becoming known not for the producer and the engineer and the mixer, but more of the remixer or the artist or the collaborator where then I had bands and things like this. And it just kind of sort of fell into place. I mean, I think one of the most pivotal times was when I was working, I think it was with Paul Oakenfold or something doing his record and my manager at the time was like, you're doing all this for him. Why don't you just do it for yourself?
feel like social media is getting in the way of like your time and how you're managing your time? And do you feel, do you, th- again, I, I, I'll turn on Facebook for a second and the bickering that goes back and forth. And then do you just, do you feel like it's causing more disruption or more uh, disconnection? Do you feel like it's uh, as disruptive as I think it is? I mean, I think a lot of people use it in a wrong fashion as a platform to voice their opinion, where I find that with my work now, it's sort of a resource of information, not even news, but information. If you want to know about a sports star or a music star or not even a star, just someone you admire, you're going to go to that page for information. And also, I feel like you can find out a little bit about that person even though you might not know, and I'm talking about like big people too, you might not know how, who they, like how they are, but you can kind of tell on their social media, you know, if they're outspoken politically or something. I mean, I know this is a sore subject and it sounds like it's a sore subject with you about social media, but I, you have to look at these things as a tool. And that's kind of how it is because, and that's where I think Facebook is a little bit different than Instagram. Like with Instagram, like rule 101 is you got to be careful how many hot girls you follow because then you just go down that fucking rabbit hole. Like these hot girls come on your feed who are, their whole life is selfies and poses. You got to just cut that off immediately because it's so distracting, right? Yeah. I mean, and sure, some of those people might even be your friends, you know, but it's just like, do I need to be seeing this person having their fucking cup of tea in the morning? No. So you got to know, cut them loose versus... Um, you know, following news threads of the BBC or Al Jazeera or whatever you choose, CNN. But for a lot of people, it's a creative force where they're putting little snippets of music on there and you're getting tidbits. And I look at it as a tool, but we're all guilty of spending too much time. We're all guilty of following people that we shouldn't follow because maybe they have a negative message. Maybe they're just full of shit. Uh, maybe they're it's just a waste of my time. And then it, then it's a choice. Do you think um, like people's attention spans and and do you think the quality of art has uh, gone down? And I think about just uh, I know that's a very huge generalization to make, but I think about people don't really listen to records anymore. And, and I, I don't feel like the quality of music is as great or as interesting as it used to be. Um, I feel like that's true. But again, that's society as we know it. I mean, people are used to reading headlines. They're not used to reading articles, you know? (laughs) Yeah, that's, but see, that's, yeah, it's the same thing for social media. You're used to listening to a 15 second or a one minute clip. But again, I think instead of analyzing it, that's all we have now. And, and to me, I'll look at it like when I post things or when I do things to, so, you know, selfishly promote my, my work or something. I have to think I got 15 seconds. I have 30 seconds. I've got one minute. Give me your best shot. If I can get them in, involved or engaged, then that, that's enough. Because again, it goes back to how we started this conversation. Getting your music heard is the hardest thing. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't even think about money, selling it. No, I want you to listen to my music. If I got to get on my hands and knees, or I got to make you a meal. I got to listen. I want you to <laughs> listen to my fucking music. Man. Yeah. It's not but, easy. No, but it's just, I, I'm, I'm not playing devil's advocate here. I just, 
I think the combination of our society and technology, it's forced people to think like that. And you literally have like five seconds to get somebody's attention or they're going to move on to something else. And I, I do think about like uh, just even Martin Scorsese's movie, uh, The Irishman, which whether I didn't like it, but again, Paramount's thinking, who's going to go to the movie theater for three and a half hours and watch this movie? We're, we're not going to finish paying for this thing. I mean, people are not leaving the house. People aren't sitting through a full record anymore. I mean, and again, not that, that's well. I don't know. Is it good or is it bad? Yeah, but see, I disagree with you there because I think he was really clever because he's somebody who can do whatever the fuck he wants, right? If you're sure. Quentin Tarantino or Marcio Sesi or Radiohead or those kinds of bands, it doesn't matter. You're Travis Scott. You can do whatever you want, however you want, and the people will come. But here's somebody who convinced him. Look, the new game is Netflix. Is Amazon Plus? Is you know, Hulu is, you know, go down the list. This is the game in town, period. One. Two, if you want it in the Oscars and to win the trophy, sure. For the novelty's sake, play by the rules. You put it in the theater for two weeks, 10 days, which is a wank, and you pull it. And it goes right to subscription-based services, which then it will reach more people it will have a longer shelf life. They have real money. You will still get the accolades from the award shows. So what's the problem? To me, I think that's more that's smarter. And I also think that, I mean, it, as much as I still like to go to the movies, especially with the world just ending, those days are going to be over <laughs> because who knows how they're going to open. So I think about experiences. Let's just talk about you and I right now, or like going, we love food. Let's say Wolf, you know, Wolfgang, going to Wolfgang Puck's restaurant and eating there, him saying hello is like the ultimate experience. And then the next level down would sort of be going there, taking it to go and, you know, hanging out at your place and talking and eating dinner. And then the next level down would be, you know, going to the grocery store and picking up Wolfgang Puck's. I guess, I think, those sort of ultimate experiences, you know, Martin yeah. Scorsese, his, his, he didn't want to go to Netflix, but Paramount didn't want to pay for it anymore because they didn't think it was worth spending $200 million on this movie. So his next option was Netflix, let's save the day. We're going to finish this out. I mean, his vision was to have it in theaters for a two to three month run. But I just, I think we're all sort of, I think our, our our level of quality and greatness, just because of technology and because of ex, because of attention spans, you know, this it's just it's all the experiences aren't as wonderful. They're different, but I think that those experiences they exist if you choose it. And everybody wants an experience. Don't get me wrong, but I think now that the earth, the world just kind of reset itself it's a new standard. So it's, it's kind of insignificant because there will always be those experiences where you pay too much money for the restaurant and you know, the chef comes out and has a chat with you. But I think now it's society drastically changing as much, as much as it's going to be hard to not have as many sporting events or music or theater, it's going to be controlled environments. And that will, that will alone be an experience where yeah. You know, singers or artists 
will have smaller venues, more control. You pay more money. Uh, maybe restaurant is you can't go to Wolfgang Puck, but you can pay Wolfgang Puck to come to your place. <laughs> right. I don't know. Do you ever, it's weird, and I just was thinking this last thing, I'll let you go. Um, maybe I'm sort of, um, I don't know if it's being a romantic or I do just sort of think back, though, to those experiences where I sat through the whole OK Computer record or I sat through all of Sea Change. I Sure, I still have those experiences, but I think collectively, when I knew my friends were all like experiencing Radiohead's OK Computer at the same time because it came out at the same time, it did, or even like grunge, the grunge scene of the '90s, I just it, there was something about community and collectively us all sort of experiencing the whole Pearl Jam record at the same time, and um, it does feel like there's just a bit more individualism happening now, where everybody's sort of on their own. But can I challenge you on that question? And I, I don't sure. mean to challenge you, but I think no, it's, it's important good. because I catch myself because sure, I most people feel the same, you know? You want to see the the film in the theater. You want to hear the entire album and create your own experience. I agree with you. I also think I'm not a purist, so I don't care as much. But in the same breath, I'll be around a lot of young people and go see like Beyonce or Travis Scott or maybe records that I might not listen to or maybe not care as much for, not to say that they're not great records. I just wouldn't have as much of an interest. But those people know every song. Those mm. people talk about the same thing that we would have experienced for a record. And then I feel really fucking old because is it that I don't like that record or is it that I don't understand it? And I think that's a case where I just don't understand it because there are kids waiting for the next Travis Scott record and they're waiting for the next whoever, you know, record that maybe I don't yearn for, but they're experiencing what we experienced when, you know, a Prince record came out or Stevie Wonder record or good on the list. So that's where like, you know, I've been to Coachella every year. Right. And I'll sit there and I'm around my friends <laughs> and everybody's singing along and like, oh, my God, this fucking song. Oh, you know, they play two notes just like I would hear two notes of a record I love. And like, oh, my God, they're playing this song. And I'm fucking clueless. <laughs> and I feel like 150 years old. And they probably think the same thing when I mention bands and they're like, who's in excess? Who's Seal? Who's who's uh, I don't know. Even records like five years ago, they don't even know, like REM or something maybe. But So I think it's – we're saying this one side. Yeah. Really. You got you to gotta put yourself in check because, you know, by me – I can end this by saying since I juggle my life of my music career currently and working at Native Instruments, you know, I'm around a lot of young people. I'm around a lot of new music, a lot of cutting-edge music. And I have to really put myself in check and challenge myself because sometimes I look at them like deer in headlights and sometimes they look at me in deer in headlights and I'm trying to find that balance because there's something to be said about experience, but there's also something to be said about being open-minded. Hmm. That's really well said. How has and, it- and I'm not saying I'm great at either, but I have to challenge myself because then that's how I discover new music. Yeah. And, and new and new trends and new things. And it kind of goes back to how we started this conversation about technology where we're like, I'll go and I'll be in the studio with Zed and it's like big SSL and a laptop or a flume or somebody. 
and the SSL is a big volume knob, but I don't care because they're making records how they make records. So I don't give a shit. If it sounds good, it sounds good. How has his native instruments been? And if, if it hasn't, I'll obviously delete it. But I would get the sense that working there with them has been pretty awesome. It has. It has. I mean, I've been, you know, it was an interesting time of my life. I've been there six years now, I think. And, you know, it was sort of a time where I was going through a divorce and selling my house and just not knowing which path to take. And, and they were courting me to had artist relations in America and and it just kind of made sense and they were very open about allowing me to take time off to do records and to do some shows and things like this and knowing that I'm a technologist and a nerd on one side and a musician and you know making records I felt like it was a good fit because I was still in the game I wasn't I wasn't too young and didn't have experience in the world and I wasn't too old and bitter to be out of the game I felt like I was sort of hopefully in the middle and it it was a good marriage, so I'm still there, and it's nice to uh, to feel kind of in the mix because it, it 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 definitely helps me because I don't know if I would be on the forefront of all this technology and and music if I wasn't there. And what's up with Seal? Are you, are you making a record with him right now? Yeah, he's making a new record. I'm helping him. You know, he's working with a, a few other people as well, and and we've done some stuff and. Yeah, it's just more friends and family. He's the great thing about Seal is he's he's singing as, as good as he's ever sang. He's writing some great songs. He still has urgency, um, and people still care about him. I think. I mean, I know he's in a in a bracket of his career where he's sort of a legacy artist, but yeah, he's you know he's making some good records, and I'm producing records for other people. I'm putting out my own music and. I like to, you know, collaborate with a lot of different people and, and ethnic world music has been successful for me. So I kind of balance between this sort of ambient electronic thing I do and world music and I'm having good success on it. So I can't complain. That's cool. I feel like you're a good voice for people like between 15 and 30 that are creators. If there's like one thing that you would say, um, and that's the thing, I, I think it's easy to sometimes get discouraged, um, although you have all these tools, it can feel overwhelming to quote unquote, make it. Um, well, yeah. And I think that if I could leave you with one bit of advice and I just, I, I've spoken a lot of at universities and I just did a big keynote at Syracuse. Well, on zoom, right. <laughs> but just a few weeks ago, the thing that I always tell to young people or just not even young in age, but young just music makers is something that seems to be lost is urgency. And when I think back about my career, I had urgency when I was young. And and passion and urgency is something you just, it comes. And if you don't have it, it's, you know, people have safety nets or they've got their, their parents to help, you know, and I don't mean that negatively. I just mean, there's a net, there's something there to protect you. And I moved here at 19. I had a thousand dollars, you know, I was the, the janitor at Westlake Studios in the morning, I was the runner in the day, and then I would stay at night and solder cables and learn from techs and sleep at the studio and not have a lot of girlfriends because I was too busy with my dream, you know? And it was hard to have a relationship with a woman because after picking them up late too many times, they'd cut you loose. But my point is, 
the urgency and the passion that I had was what allowed me to have success early in my life as opposed to, oh, I'm going to get around to that. or And that's why I tell people with this quarantine that we're in, try to take some of this time, try to accomplish things that you might have not had time before. Because think about this, Eddie, if you go on a holiday with somebody, you know, it's easy to map it out. Like, oh, I'm going to go for two weeks with my girlfriend or boyfriend or your family. And I'm going to do this and this and this. But now, well, you have time. So have a regimen. If, you, if you're lucky to work at home, you know, have a regimen. I'm going to do my emails. I'm going to clean my sock drawer. I'm going to cook that meal. But then I'm going to put two hours aside and learn something or, or do something. Yeah. But so many of my friends, you know, they're jacking off on video games. They're watching like fucking every movie made, <laughs> which is great. But like you got to balance it. Yeah. I mean, I've been writing a book for the last two and a half years and I'll let you go. And I've been, I've said to myself, I've actually enjoyed this time because it's, I want to get this fucking thing done by the time this is over so I can get back to like recording music again, because I don't remember, I don't know when I'm going to have this much time to, to myself to create. And, And that's a really good point because I think that, you know, like that would be a really positive social media post to do something. But of course, if I posted it, I'd probably get beaten up like, hey man, you've been playing fucking tennis. (laughs) (laughs) But I can say, I go to my local parking lot where there's a homeless camp next to it and I hit the tennis ball against the wall. You know, I'm making things work in my environment to keep fit during this. But the point is, that would be a good social media post is to say, hey man, we got like two weeks left in theory, three weeks left, I don't know. What have you done or what do you want to do that you can talk about after? I mean, I think that alone is a good topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's record the podcast all over again. <laughs> <laughs> or let's do this podcast in three weeks, part yeah, two. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Well, um, dude, I, I've always liked talking to you. And uh, it, I, this, is, this was fun, man. This was good. Yeah, you, you want to do it again? Maybe this would be a good way. In another month or two, while well, they cut the, the leash and, and sort of take a, a tally of how people are handling it. Because I think the next challenge for all of us is the economy, you know, like, OK, you're allowed to go to the beach or go to your local store or something. You know, was it any different? I don't know. Well, and I also think we live in this day and age where people think they can – social media makes people think they could say or do whatever the fuck they want. And this idea of people being told you have to like stay home, you have to get – I don't think people have ever really experienced that before. People just think they can do whatever they want all the time. And, and I think this is a lesson that you know maybe you have to sort of put your own self-interests aside for a moment and just yeah. like be a respectful human being and obviously like put on a fucking ma- – like I can't tell you how many times when I teach a yoga class, um, people fucking came to class when they were like god-awful sick. And I'm thinking to myself – how the fuck can you like go to the gym and you have the fucking flu? Just like but that's going to change. So that, there's a positive thing. I think on a positive note, hygiene is going to be much better. <laughs> yes. You know, which is fantastic. I mean, even if in the work environment, they're like saying, if you even think you're sick, don't show, which is how it should be anyway. Totally. So hopefully that's going to change. People are going to be washing their hands, doing things like this. So let's hope that that's the case. Well, yeah. um, Carmen. 
I appreciate you talking. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you. I really, I just appreciate you taking the time. I know you're busy, so thanks. Always. You just let me know anytime. Done. Thanks <laughs> okay. a lot, man. See ya. Cool. Bye. Bye. Bye.